This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 342 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you by 2K Gray and Total Saddle Fit. Today, Catherine Chamberlain talks about the transition from young riders to being an open rider and also being a 2K Gray ambassador. She'll give us a Total Saddle Fit tip of the week on suppling transitions. Also, Dr. Anna Dunlap on acupuncture and Reese's mom, Margie, joins us and talks about heart health and her heart attack experience. Listen in. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. We're joined by our producer, Glenn. Merry who's been Christmas, on quite a bit everybody. With us Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All those good things. This is going to come out. It'll be uh, one week. One week till Christmas. And well, yeah. oh, gosh, I haven't even. Ready? No, I haven't started yet. That's what <laughs> I do. It's my thing. <laughs> it's your thing. Don't start. Yeah. Well, I have to be honest, I, I'm getting to the point now where I'm just, like, done. <laughs> if it, you don't have a present now, no, I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. Like, I'm, I get to that point. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm done. Okay, Philip, you and I are out. We didn't get Sorry, anything. Sorry, you're yeah, out. Yeah. No, you're just We're dead. done. The present is, uh, Reese's present to us is her, her every week That's presence right. on the show. That's right. Being oh, with oh, us every, every Thursday us. night when we record. Well, I figure, you know, Phil, I'll just buy you dinner when you come to Florida. And Glenn, okay. I'll buy you dinner when you come to Florida. Okay, great. <laughs> Sold. Dinner and for everyone. We'll hey, that's Christmas. only a month away. We're going to be with each other in, in It'll Florida. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. It'll be what, Christmas. Uh, I'll buy dinner all. and everybody buys drinks. <laughs> there you go. He yeah. knows what's cheaper. Yeah, dinner. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'll buy dinner. No, no, I love it. I know, but it's just crazy. It's like, oh my gosh. And it's so warm here. Actually, tomorrow's supposed to be cold. We're supposed to have some snow flurries. But, I mean, this week it's been like in the 70s. It's crazy. So Same it's great. Here. It's, it's unbelievable. I don't, it doesn't feel like Christmas unless we have some cold weather and some snow, right? I know. It's great. It's supposed to be like 70 for Christmas. I mean, Glenn, <laughs> I know it's warm for you. I mean, Yeah, the, the, we haven't Florida. actually. You know how it usually cools off in Florida this time of year? Well, that yeah. hasn't happened this oh. year. We've been 85 so every day. Up. I believe it. Uh, yeah, I believe and it. it's supposed to be actually almost ninety on Christmas. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. It's supposed to be seventy here. Yeah. I mean, just crazy. I mean, but I'm not complaining because I, I. No, I mean, yeah, I still take warm over cold. Thank yeah, you <laughs> it is a little weird after last winter, though. Like you're like, whoa, it's yeah. But ugh, yeah. Ew, oh, goodness. it's coming. Don't worry. But oh, yeah, by then you'll be in Florida, <laughs> so yeah, you'll be good. Like, oh, it's cold. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding for everybody, kind of. <laughs> like I hate cold. But uh, but we do hope everyone is has a great week and and remembers uh, to take some time with your family and friends and and get away from the hassle and bustle of Christmas. We did that today at the barn. We have one of our young ladies is going back to Europe, Brit, and we wish her the best. And we had a nice pizza party and just kind of stopped for an hour and and just kind of we had Christmas music on. It was super fun. So <laughs> gotta love it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, well, we got we have a big show today, Reese. So. Um, so maybe we'll just get to a little bit of news. We've been not good on our news lately, so there was a bunch of stuff I wanted to bring up. Awesome. Um, recently, okay. Olympia, the big World Cup dressage show, is happening in England, and uh, it turns out Carl Hester and Nip Nick Nip Tuck um, beat Charlotte and Utopia uh, in that show in the freestyle. So uh, your your favorite Charlotte Dudarjan is not 
number one best well, like you know, at this show, yeah, right? Well, then let's face it. They all go back to the barn at the same yeah, barn, all right? Cool. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to the same barn. Yeah. I don't care. And, and it was cool. Like, Carl Huster posted um, a picture on Facebook uh, maybe a couple weeks ago of him and Nip Tuck working the Grand Prix, and they were like ducks in his arena. I was like, oh, they just keep getting cooler. <laughs> so cool. Like, he's literally riding around with, like, geese and ducks and stuff. I was like, God, that's awesome. I have one horse that probably would just lay down and die. Just be like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I can't do ducks. Not ducks. I don't do ducks. So that was really exciting. Oh, that's cool. Yes. And then, uh, Laura, Laura Graves and Verdadas win the fir- their first national title. Um, they were fo- uh, followed closely by um, the f- the last four time winner of the national champion, Stefan Peters and Legolas. And then his second horse, Rosamunda, was was close third after that. So that's exciting. A little change at the top there. Yeah. Very cool. We're excited for Laura. That's fantastic. And uh, what else we got here, Reese? Uh, yes. So the to- Equestrian's Got Talent is going to be starting again in January. This is great. I didn't know this was happening, um, but it starts. America's Equestrian's Got Talent gets underway in January for the second year of equestrians of all disciplines to showcase non-horsey talents to compete for the grand, the grand prize and raise money, money for the United States high-performance teams. Uh, and this year, it will be at the gallery at uh, the Winter Equestrian Palm Beach International Equestrian Center. And we are excited to announce that Reese is representing the Horse Radio Network. That's so funny. <laughs> That's not and uh, baton twirling. Baton. <laughs> baton. Oh, thanks. Yes. Um, no. Yeah. It will not be happening. Yeah, because we all well. know that horse horse people are so coordinated. <laughs> we had, well, actually, a girl did baton twirling last oh, year. Oh, did they? Yeah. 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 She did. Oh, she did was? baton twirling. Yeah. We're, but I think I'm hoping the gallery. I've not been to the gallery, but I'm hoping it'll be a little bit bigger venue than um, last year where it was. Uh, so I think it'll be fantastic, and uh, it really is. If you come down. It happens every week. I think Wednesday night. Um, it, we don't have actually the date on when it will be, but the admission's free. And last year, it was uh, part of the bar tab went to raising money for USEF. And- yeah, I think that's the real purpose of it is to, yeah. to raise money for the teams. And, and But uh, there, there's a good prize money. I think it's ten grand for the champion mm-hmm. at the end of it. I, so. I wish I had some actual talent, guys. <laughs> but, uh, anybody that does. And actually, I mean, the, the people last year were amazing. Really, really fantastic talent. Uh, and it was really fun. So if you do come down to Wellington, make it part of your trip because you see everybody and it's just a really, really fun time. So looking forward to that as well. And it's, I'm glad they're doing it. I hadn't heard that they were doing it again. Um, so this year. Yeah. This That's year. Nice. And um, there's we, a, some, we have some more, you know, there's been some sad news lately um, in, in the dressage world and the horse world. Um, the equestrian world has suffered a significant loss with the passing of Douglas Lee Leatherdale on his 79th birthday. That happened uh, December 6th. He was the owner of Leatherdale Farms along with his wife, Louise. He was highly regarded in dressage sport and, and sport horse breeding communities for his kindness, generosity, and his passion for sport and spectacular horses. Um, he is the sponsor for Diane Creech, who is a Canadian rider on our A-team. Um, we, we visited uh, the farm in Germany where the Leatherdale, a lot of Leatherdale stallions were standing. Um, I think these yeah. just brought a ton of support for breeding and for dressage, and it's really sad. It is sad. Uh, it is sad. We, yeah. So we, we feel we are definitely thinking of family for sure. So, um, yeah. But we, we hate news like that, but we wanted to yeah, thank I, yeah. him for all his sponsorships through Canada and the United States. So, 
For sure. Well, we are going to come back and we're going to talk with Catherine Chamberlain. Uh, she's going to talk about our transition to young riders, uh, from young riders to being an open professional rider, and what it's like to be an ambassador for the 2K Gray Company. Uh, so look forward uh, to hearing her interview. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Catherine Chamberlain from California on the show. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, Catherine, you are still uh, a, technically a young rider this year. Am I correct? Yep. I just finished up my last year of young riders, and then come January 1st, I get to move into the Open Division. Excellent. And you are a very, very successful young rider. Uh, you you won the North American Young Rider Championships, and you also did you also go to the Brentina Cup? Yeah. Um, so I've done young riders uh, three times. Last year, I was a triple gold medalist. And then um, this year I came back and I got team gold and individual silver. And then I went to the national championships in Chicago where I won the Young Rider Nationals. And then I was sixth in, the, in my first Argentina Cup. That's fantastic. Yeah, I got to see you ride in Chicago and, and here actually in Kentucky. And it was so wonderful to see you uh, just do your thing out there. So, Catherine, tell us a little bit. Are, are you nervous about this transition into a professional rider? Or are you ready to rock and roll? Yeah, you know, I'm excited and nervous. I almost feel a little bit uh, lax pressure, if that makes sense, going into the Open Division because I felt like almost as young riders, I had expectations of me um, to do well. And almost with going into the Open Division, it's like a fresh start, you know, and obviously I'm going to be competing competing against so many amazing people who have so many years of experience. So um, it's almost a little bit less pressure, you know, I can kind of ease my way into it, do the best I can, um, and just, you know, see how it goes. So uh, it's definitely, you know, going to be a much um, harder competition, but I'm really looking forward to it. That's that's awesome. Now, are you doing horses full-time? Or are you also in university? Yeah, I'm doing horses full-time now. Uh, when I was still living in Arizona, I was taking some online college courses. And then about two years ago, I made the move out to California to work at Adventure Farms for David Whiteman and Kathleen Rain. And then I just started doing horses full-time since then, and I'm um, now starting to get some more horses in training and start some young ones, so it's been really fun. Oh, that's fantastic. That's super exciting. So now you are one of the ambas- ambassadors for the Bridges Company 2K Gray, right? Yeah. Excellent. There's well, such- tell us, yeah, tell us about the company and what it's like to be an ambassador for such a great company. Yeah, what I really love about 2K Gray is that they just have a great message behind their products. You know, there's a lot of different riding pants out there, but 2K Gray really represents, um, you know, passion, strength, fierceness, and sophistication. And I think they just really allow you to be unique with your style, and you can stay comfortable when you're riding long hours in the saddle, but then they're also really, you know, stylish, so you can go to the mall right afterwards or, you know, go out with your friends in a coffee shop and still, um, you know, look like you're not a horse person (laughs) so that's nice (laughs) as well um and then I think you know there's all about um women empowerment and really um you know have an adventure spirit behind their products I think that's a really cool thing about them excellent so tell us which one is your favorite model um I love their Ava riding pants and then they also have a pass off show britches um, that are full seat that I really love to show in as well. So they're kind of my good luck charm in the competition ring. Ooh, tell us more about that. Why do you really like that pair for showing? Um, they're so comfortable and breathable. So, you know, when you're working hard, you don't have to worry about, you know, things getting out of place. I'm kind of 
always weird about having the perfect fit when I'm in the saddle. You don't want to have to worry about, you know, things not feeling right when you're trying to focus on your ride. Um, so the, they're just the perfect fit for me. And then also, um, you know, the back design from the pants, I think, is just beautiful. So it's really nice to feel super confident when you're in the ring, too. Oh, I like it. So tell me, um, for for the ladies of the group, uh, Philip and Glenn would not feel this, but do you, how's the fabric, uh, especially in the white pant? You know, sometimes with white pants, if they're not uh, – uh, you're really skinny and young, but you know, is it a nice fabric for showing? I think that yeah, was a compliment, you know, by the that way. That was a real compliment. Okay, I was just... <laughs> she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. <laughs> I was more thinking along the lines of an older rider like myself. Um, you know, that needs a little form. I mean, you know, we need protection, Glenn. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that out there. He did. He had to get in there. It's not, it's not nice, Catherine. See what see what I have to deal with? They boys don't they just don't have to deal or have these problems. Huh. No, um, no. I mean, I think they're a really nice material because they're supportive, you know. So that, like you said, it's really important, you know. That, like I said before, it keeps everything you know in place and yep. um, very important. And blend. they're a good um, thickness too. You're not they're not too thin. You don't want those ones that are too see through either. So you know, it's um, really nice, comfortable, supportive, breathable fabric. Yes. See. That's that's exactly. I haven't seen the white ones, and uh, that's actually a really big problem uh, with white pants. Yeah. Sometimes, and keep everything where it belongs. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's awesome. Uh, and what does it look like with the bling? How is that? How does that look like when you're showing? So it's nice because their design. It's all on the um, the seat of the pants, mostly like above um, the full seat of the breeches. So you know when you're showing you and you have your show coat on. It's not too flashy in the ring. It's still very sophisticated and very classy. But then, you know, when you're walking on the showgrounds, you can show off a little more bling and um, show your personal style more. Oh, that's fantastic. And and I did just, um, you know, try them on. I got a pair and I love them because I did ha- actually have a lunch meeting. Uh, and, and like many of us, I didn't have time to run in and change and it looked uh, fantastic on. So I really, really enjoyed that. You could really go to the store, go to a lunch meeting, throw, you know, some, I just put on, it's cooler here. So just some uh, normal boots over my britches, like not my riding boots, but people boots, if you know what I mean. And it's awesome. I put a sweater on and boom, I was ready to go. And then I had, you know, four more horses when I got back from lunch. So it worked out really well. So, um, Catherine, can you tell everybody how they can find the website for 2K Gray? Yeah, so if you just go to www.tkgray.com, they have um, their whole collection there. You can find where, um, you know, they carry the britches all over America and, um, you know, pick out your favorite styles. They also have some other products. There's some show coats and some other clothing that you can check out as well. So it's a great, you know, holiday gift for your favorite equestrian out there. So I highly recommend, you know, checking them out and seeing what you find for yourself and your loved ones for the holidays. Well, our next guest is Dr. Anna Dunlop. She has been on the show with us before, and she's a dear friend of Philip and I, and uh, also becoming a very avid dressage rider. Uh, so I think you'll really enjoy her tip today on acupuncture. Well, we are super excited to have, she's almost our resident vet here at Maple Crest Farm, but also the dressage radio show on Dr. Anna Dunlop. Welcome to the show. Hello. We are super excited to have you tonight because um, we're kind of doing a, a health segment today on people and horses, and um, you are certified in acupuncture and chiropractic, yes, but yes, we're going to do 
two different segments. Tonight, we're going to talk about acupuncture and how it can really help uh, the dressage horse. So I'm just going to let you take it away. Sweet. Well, um, let's start out by first saying that uh, acupuncture has probably been around for at least 5,000 years. So trying to cram it into a small amount of time, well, well I'll do my best. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I know. I'm still learning Great. the magic from you. It's awesome. And honestly, m- me too. It's it's probably like a lifetime commitment to, to Chinese medicine as a whole because, again, it's just it's been around forever. Um, but I'm sure most of your audience has at least heard of it, and I'm sure a large group of them have seen it done or or use the certified acupuncturist or an acupuncturist for their horses. Um, but I guess we'll start out by talking about the kind of magical things we can do with it. Yeah, <laughs> we've that's certainly awesome. seen we've we've certainly seen a lot of um, a lot of good results from a lot of cases that maybe personally didn't expect to see such a great um, benefit from or um, or enhancing. Um, the performance of the horse and, and things like that. So some of the things I think that most people think about when they think about acupuncture is musculoskeletal sort of um, soreness, back soreness. I get a lot of calls for holes, necks, and things like that. And, and I think that that is probably 70% of what I do is treating sore animals. And, and I think that it's great for that. Um, it's probably one of the the less elegant uses for acupuncture because, um, you know, another sort of side or facet of acupuncture is this myofascial or trigger point therapy. And then trigger therapy, you're actually just putting the needle where there is soreness. So it's not quite as, um, Oh, what's the right word? It's not quite as uh, sophisticated as Chinese medicine and all that, but it's definitely effective, and we definitely give a lot of animals a lot of relief from stuff like that. But the other things that I think a lot of people might not know about that acupuncture can treat are are internal medicine sort of issues. Um, Anything from a heavey horse to uh, digestive issues, Um, some neurologic cases I've had some success with, even things like anxiety, we, we've, we've used some acupuncture for it. And in conjunction with Chinese herbs, um, orally, or the herbs that you can sort of waft over them in, in a form that sort of looks like incense, um, those things all, all sort of go hand in hand with Chinese medicine and acupuncture and can really make a difference with your animal. And this, uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of, of the basics ar- around Chinese medicine and, and sort of some of the the ideas about how it works and how acupuncture works? Yeah, absolutely. So, unfortunately for us, uh, we don't know exactly why acupuncture works or how acupuncture works. We have about five good theories, and I'll tell you what the main ones are. Um, when you're talking about musculoskeletal soreness, um, and the things that we treat our performance horses for primarily. We think acupuncture is working by highlighting an area. Like you stick the needle in and you're sort of drawing the body's attention to this one particular area that they need, that the body needs to come in and heal or relax or just pay more attention to. So that's one of the theories. And I think that's probably more of a myofascial trigger point sort of therapy 
Um, the other thing, one of the other theories is that um, you're actually activating the spinal cord segments that are responsible for healing and function of a specific organ. And that's sort of a fancy way to say you're activating an organ that's messed up. And that's more the internal medicine side of Chinese medicine. Um, when we're talking about digestive issues or neurologic issues or um, the respiratory things we sort of talked about earlier. So the other, there's a couple other theories about acupuncture, but those are the main ones. We know that we're, the places that are acupuncture points are um, places of low electrical resistance on the animal. So we know that we're manipulating the nervous system with the, the needles. But again, we, we really don't know exactly what we're doing yet. It sounds like you're just How's kind of saying, hey, wake up, there's a problem here, you know? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. For, for the most part, um, and, and that's sort of why, jokingly, recent I call it magic, but a little bit of it is not, again, it, it's all theoretical. It's, we know it works. Why it works, you know, we don't, we don't really have a clear-cut answer. And that's the difference between chiropractic and acupuncture is in, in this chiropractic school, we know exactly what, what it's doing. And the acupuncture side of things, they're like, you know, it's been around forever. We know it works. We're just getting to the why part. And, and they're much more laid back about it, which I sort of think is great. <laughs> oh, it's, it's super. So, Anna, what? how do you start your exam? Uh, you know, when you come in, maybe I say, yeah, you know, he's just not feeling right on the left side or... Or maybe I don't I don't give you any fed, feedback. What's what's the way you start the exam, and how do you start sort of figuring out what to do on each horse? Yeah, great question. Um, usually, I have excuse me, <laughs> um, people come to me with um, a problem, um, like you say, soreness here, digestive issue here, uh, whatever. But what I usually do is I will expand sort of what the owner is telling me by asking them. A lot of questions. The Chinese um, medical exam really is made up of tons of questions, like from anything from like, does your horse prefer to drink hot or cold water, which we know this time of year because we have heated water buckets in the stalls and we have tanks outside that are cold. And for instance, I have an older horse that hardly drinks any water in the stall all night and he goes straight to the cold water outside. So that tells me something about his entire body and if I was doing acupuncture exam on him it's part of the questionnaire that would would give me some clues about what points to pick um there's even crazier questions like in the if you were talking about a dog or a cat like where in the or even a horse it, where in the pecking order is the horse um does the animal seem frustrated do do they you know, are they weak behind ever? Do they like to lay in the sun? If you're talking about a dog in the house, does it prefer to lay on a bed? Does it prefer to lay on a cold floor? And again, all of those questions are sort of guiding my Chinese medical diagnosis. And and the Chinese medical diagnosis even sounds different to to us, you know, here. Um, it's not like you might hear large colon, you know, dilation for a horse with colic. I might say something to you like liver yang rising, which sounds crazy, but it means something in Chinese medicine and it directs what kind of herbs you would pick, what kind of um, points I would pick and sort of how often I would treat that animal. 
So, so then after you sort of fill out the questionnaire and the owner usually thinks I'm crazy at that point because I've asked them about their horse's stool and intake and all kinds of things, and I'm just there to treat a sore pole or whatever, um, that's when I usually start stealing the horse's acupuncture point. <laughs> and, um, and believe it or not, I can get a lot of information from palpating them for soreness or actually putting my fingers on a point. A point can feel hollow. A point can feel like it's a boggy, like, bubble under my fingers. It can feel hot. It can feel cold. Um, and all of those things are more clues to this whole picture. And, uh, and again, this is the really sophisticated side of Chinese medicine, not the put the needle where it hurts, trigger point therapy, which again, I, I do both. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And uh, you've, we have had a lot of luck in horses that have had sort of maybe chronic colic or belly issues. Can you talk a little bit about how you work with that? Cause that's been really helpful for us. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's a case where you really have to um, use your, your veterinary side of your brain, not the Chinese medicine side. Where in the case you're specifically talking about, um, a chronic case, you know, we have, I have the luxury of, of having, knowing the veterinary side. And so it guides me a little bit more than, um, you know, it just gives me the extra information versus someone who's not a veterinarian that's out there doing acupuncture. Um, but then I can, I can use sort of that knowledge from the veterinary side to pick the points that I want to use. And again, that for those cases, the exam is the same. I, I ask a lot of crazy questions. I may even walk to the stall and see what the stool looks like. I might talk to the regular veterinarian that is in charge of that case if it's not me. Um, and and well, there's actually an interesting herb we use for those those cases. It's called moxa. It's related to the chrysanthemum, and um, I do, and it, it's, you burn it like incense, and we use it to, like, waft it over their belly, and it, and it sounds, and it looks just as crazy as it sounds, I promise, um, but the second you start doing it, the horses just will start grumbling, and they'll start licking their lips, and um, it's one of those special digestive tools that every time we use it, we get a lot of success with it. So with uh, acupuncture exp uh, specifically, uh, what kind of treatment are we talking about? So I have a horse with a sore sort of lumbar area. You, you come in, you assess him, you know, it's a muscle soreness. Um, right. You're going to treat him that day and then when, when again and how often and, and, and how often should the horse see you? That's right. That's a good question. So it will depend on the horse, and that's that will so often be the answer of your acupuncturist. Um, but if I feel like I put the needles in um, and he gets a lot of... So what happens a lot of times when you're treating top lines of horses, especially if they have a lot of accompanying muscle spasm, you'll pull the needle out and it will actually look like a corkscrew. And if I get a lot of those, I'm going to see the horse again in a week and a half to two weeks. Um some of it will depend on the competition schedule as well. You know, if I'm seeing a horse on a Monday to compete on a Friday and I pull out a lot of corkscrew needles in his pack, I'm going to, we'll probably see him again on Thursday, depending on the rules of the governing body of the organization that he's showing under. Um, occasionally those lumbar horses do really well with 
uh, aquapuncture, which is something very similar to um, to acupuncture, but instead of just using a, a regular needle, you're actually using the hypodermic needle that that we're used to seeing our vets use. But they might inject something into the acupuncture point. I prefer B12. Some people use um, saline. Uh, you can use other things, um, some herbal remedies, and uh, but my favorite is B12. And uh, and the the benefit of that is that you're getting a longer stimulation of that acupuncture point. Um, sometimes it makes the horses sore though, so it's it's so will sort of depend on the case. But again, typically if I'm seeing a horse for back pain, it's about a week to a week and a half. Fantastic. Yeah, cool. Well, Dr. Anna, thank you so much for coming on tonight and talking about acupuncture and kind of it, it is such a fantastic tool that um, certainly works in our barn. I know, Philip, you've used it as well. Uh, so, Dr. Anna, how uh, can people find you online? So, I actually have a Facebook page. Um, my practice is called Creek Hollow Veterinary Services. And if you just search us on Facebook, you'll find us. It's a picture of me and my my horse that I compete uh at training level and um and, soon to be first uh, level <laughs> yeah, soon to be first level and um you can see kind of follow along and um the cases I'm working on and um I do dogs and cats as well so occasionally there'll be um a dog picture on there but mostly horses right now and uh some insights into laser therapy which I also do chiropractic and, and a lot mostly acupuncture though <laughs> excellent well thanks so much Dr. Anna Thank you. Well, this evening, I am super excited to have my mom, Margie Koffler, on the program. Welcome, Mom. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Reese. I appreciate that. Well, we wanted to have you on the show because we had a very important luncheon that we did as a family uh, earlier this month. It was for the American Heart Association, and it was a Go Red for Women luncheon. And you were asked to be a beautiful model um, for women in Kentucky. It was a big luncheon, about 750 people. And we wanted to share, and you wanted to share your story about what happened. Last year, uh, we were heading to Wellington. uh, with uh, We had three horses with us. And um, we actually stopped at our layover spot in McAnope, not too far from Glenn and Jennifer, uh, for the evening. And uh, that evening... Um, we had a, a heart incident, didn't we? Yes, that was a good way of putting that, Reese. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I felt like it was really important because um, heart health and heart awareness is uh, uh, really an, a very important topic, and it's become very important in our family. Um, and so I wanted you to kind of share our story, and especially your story, about what happened that night, and, and kind of share it for all the women and, and even the men that listen to our show um, about uh, heart awareness. So I'll let you take it away. My pleasure. Uh, well... Uh, Reese and I were heading to Florida with the horses. Um, I must say uh, that, let me just back up a little and say that the summer before, I had um, experienced an arrhythmia, heart arrhythmia, when my aunt passed away. Uh, I was under the care of a cardiologist and have been since that time um, with a mixed rhythm of atrial fibrillation and some problems with uh, conduction to the ventricles called premature ventricular contractions. I had been on a heart medication, so we were somewhat aware that, you know, there was uh, a little bit of a problem. But 
really with the medication I was taking, I had no signs and symptoms. I was held into what's called normal sinus rhythm. Um, if you feel your pulse on your wrist, your radial pulse, you can tell that if your, your heart is in normal sinus rhythm, your pulse is very steady. When somebody is not in normal sinus rhythm, it is anything but steady. Um, so uh, anyway, long story short, um, my medication was holding me. Um, but about four days before we started driving down to Florida, I experienced some chest pain. Um, I Really, it was very mild chest pain. It felt like it was from my left side, um, but it didn't last long, and I had had um, a viral infection that week. Uh, Reese and I started driving. We drove about 13 hours down to Micanopy. Um, one of the problems and one of the, uh, I think, uh, adding factors to all of this was that we were not very good about getting out and running around or doing, uh, you know, jumping jacks or just moving in general. Um, and we would stop very quickly, jump out of the van, and then get back in and drive. And that's a really bad thing. It's like you take a long flight and you're always told to wear compression stockings, move your ankles, move about the airplane. Um, we did not do that. That was, uh, I would recommend that. Uh, for everybody, uh, in hindsight, we got down to Micanopy. It was late. Uh, I told Reese I wasn't feeling very good, and I told Reese that I didn't think I could help her unload the horses. And the lady that owned the farm uh, was very ha happy to come down and help her put the horses to bed. Um, I went into the farm apartment. I jumped into my jammies. I got a drink, brushed my teeth, got into bed, and could care less whether or not I had any um, had any dinner. And about, I would say, 20 minutes later, I was fast asleep, very asleep. And I woke up immediately with very intense pain in my chest. Um, it felt like I had a very constricted chest on my left side. It felt like um, an elephant was sitting on my chest um, and digging a fingernail right at my heart or something like that. So it was a double feeling of a very sharp pain, but also a very restrictive pain. Um, it, uh, needless to say, I jumped up and I thought, oh my goodness, maybe I need to change position to see if maybe I could um, increase oxygen to my lungs. Maybe it was just irritated because of that um, flu-like um, problem I had during the week. And I moved in different um, positions. Uh, I sat up. I thought maybe I should walk around the the apartment. I walked around. The pain got worse. Um, I then uh, went to the ladies' room thinking maybe that might be a problem. Um, when I figured that that was not a problem and I stood up, I broke out in a profuse, cold, frothy sweat. And I know that sounds really terrible, but that's really the best way to explain it. It wasn't the sweat that you get when you play tennis or something on exertion. It was cold. Um, I felt cold. Um, and uh, I decided that at that point in time, so during that time, we're talking about maybe a 15-minute period of time, I decided to call Reese up at the house where she was having dinner with the owners of the farm. 
And I told her that she needed to call 911. Um, and I explained what was going on. I then called my husband, who is at home, and told him that I was heading to the emergency room. During this time, I was also able to palpate my pulse, and it was extremely irregular. So the emergency uh, squad came, um, and along the way to the hospital, gave me oxygen and some nitroglycerin. I have a very low blood pressure anyway, so um, as Reese was really funny, she was saying, Mom, don't tell him what to do. She was and fighting <laughs> She was fighting with the ambulance people. Let's just face it. That's, that's the nurse. Why her. are we not surprised? Yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> this happened. Sure. This, this happened. I was like, just, I know this is your nurse. And the apple does not fall far yeah. from the tree. <laughs> Thank I mean, you, like, You're welcome. Zip it. I was like, zip it. We are in the, and, and mom, you forgot to mention that, um, Laura and Chris Herndon are both also a medical professionals. So. Oh, and that's a good point, Reese. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me because when um, Reese and Laura and her husband, Chris, who are physical therapists, came run- running down to my aid, they brought me aspirin. Yeah, and true. that is really critical. And I want everybody to remember from this show that everyone needs to carry aspirin and put it in the bottom of your purse or in the glove compartment if you're a man and don't carry the um, any sort of satchel or anything, and or put it in your briefcase for both men and women, um, somewhere where you know you have it nearby. Even if you don't have any history of heart attack or anything like that, just put it at the bottom of your purse. Yeah, Long because the 911 yeah, officers will, will, will tell you that. They say, well, you need to have a baby aspirin. I thought, well, I'm traveling. I don't have, you know, I didn't have any. But How about this- a big fat butte tablet? You probably had one of those. <laughs> I did. I, I don't know. That would have been it, man. But, uh, you know, that's really important. And Chris knew that because, again, he's a medical professional. And, you know, obviously right. I'm and, so that was important. And I was very happy that, I mean, I didn't have to ask for that. They just gave it to me. And, and I had a great time chewing that down. That's for sure. But um, so I'd, I had taken the aspirin, which was very crucial, actually, and um, off we went in the rescue squad. Um, like I said, I run a low blood pressure, so I was telling the paramedic not oh, to give Lord. me any more nitro than, than the one time. But I'm a former CCU and intensive care nurse, so I, I knew to do that, actually. Um, so that was a little bit on the um, helpful side. We got to the emergency room, and... Um, the, oh, and the nitro, I have to say, the nitro and the oxygen um, were very helpful in, um, in stopping my pain. So I got to the emergency room. The ER doc saw me there and said, Mrs. Koffler, I just have to tell you, you don't fit the profile of somebody with this problem. He said, but I have to admit you, and the reason why I am going to admit you is because your EKG is terrible. And along with that, let me do tell you that, you know, you responded to oxygen and to um, nitroglycerin. And uh, so I was admitted and um, I ended up having, I was there for three days because I was admitted over the weekend and I was there for three days. And on that, that Monday, uh, I had a, a heart cast. Um, and everybody felt like um, that was something that was very important so that we could have a, you know, we could confirm a diagnosis one way or another. 
Um, so the whole episode was um, very scary, um, but uh, as it turned out, um, we really don't know what happened. I did not have a major MI, myocardial infarction, or heart attack, um, but as the doctor down there said, you know, you did everything right. You took your aspirin. You got here immediately. You didn't wait. Um, you had no changes in your enzymes. They had drawn blood. And, and one of the uh, confirming um, <clears throat> tests would be to test the blood for enzymes that occur in the blood when the heart muscle has been damaged. And um, my enzymes did not have a significant rise. Um, but as he said, you did everything right. You didn't damage your heart muscle. We're not sure you didn't have some sort of little micro heart attack <clears throat> or you had angina. We just can't explain this. Um, but you definitely have a problem with an arrhythmia. And um, I'm going to discharge you. This is after the... Um, heart cath to the care of your cardiologist, and um, he will take it from there when you get back home to Lexington. So he did d discharge me and allow me to go down further down to Florida um, with Ree, so um, I wasn't allowed to drive, but I could sing songs <laughs> no, and I help wouldn't people let her away. at this point, my <laughs> lord. But Mom, right. I think you mentioned real quickly about uh, you didn't hit the profile, and I thought that was really interesting. Also, at this luncheon, where a lot of other ladies that were very fit and active, and I think that's that's definitely an important comment. And that is, um, I I don't know what the profile is for a heart attack, but it doesn't matter, and and that's important. Is you you are very fit, well, lost weight, and so. Yes doesn't matter if you have this right. heart pain or, or history of heart attack or whatever. Don't ignore it because... Absolutely, uh, Reese. That's the, that, that's the um, I guess that's, that's the paramount message here. And that is, is that um, if you're feeling uh, symptoms of heart attack, and I'm going to go over those right now, for women, uh, it would be chest pain, and that's different than from um, uh, symptoms with men. Although men also have chest pain, it's usually on the left side, radiating down the left arm, although it can feel like a stomach. But women have very um, uh, subtle signs. I mean, they hurt, but they're subtle signs in that um, you may see a, feel a squeezing or a fullness in your chest. I felt both, actually. Um, you can have pain anywhere in your chest. Um, you can feel like there is a vice tightening around your chest. So that's the pain. Um, the pain can be in your back, radiating to your neck and jaw. Now, I, I also had jaw pain. Um, you can feel stomach pain, shortness of breath, lightheadedness. You can have that cold sweat. And honestly, that's what did it for me when I thought, oh, my goodness, don't be silly. Call for help right now because... It is not a sweat, like I said, that you get from doing hard physical exercise and exercises, riding hard or, you know, uh, any physical exercise. It's totally different. Um, and then the other thing that can happen, too, is fatigue. If you can't move around your house and walk up and down the steps um, and it's, it's pretty sudden, um, then that bears watching as well. So... Um, when they say the profile of somebody who has um, 
uh, has a propensity for having a heart attack. It would be a history. Um, it would be obesity. It would be lack of exercise or physical exertion in a, on a regular basis. Um, it would be um, diabetes um, can cause problems. Um, so that would kind of be, you know, multi-system disease, I should say. So, you know, those would be things that would add to the profile of somebody who, plus age, um, who would um, maybe be somebody who would be more of a candidate um, for a diagnosis of MI. But I think what Reese said was extremely important, and that is, is that don't let anybody talk you out of going. If you feel like there's something wrong, there is something wrong. Don't go to the emergency room and have somebody say, oh, dear, go back home. You're stressed. Go back home. You, you just need to calm down. Don't let anybody ever say that to you. To say, no, I want my heart checked out. I need to be here because I think there's something very wrong. And I think you need to be adamant in that so that you're not dismissed. Because uh, sometimes women are dismissed in the hospital. Um, you know, when a man comes in and they fit the, the man profile, um, you know, they're taken a little bit more seriously. We, on the other hand, a lot of times um, people are try, uh, try to talk you out of the problem. And I did speak to another a number of women um, who said exactly that. I had a problem. They told me I was stressed out. I went back home, and um, the next morning I had to, had to go back to the hospital via um, the ER. So I think that that's um, a, a really important thing, Reese, that you brought out, and yeah, that is, um, for sure. you know. Um, no, I, th you, I think so. I think you really need to. And, and, and you know, obviously I knew um, that was um, where, you know, I knew that there was a problem for sure. But, um, mom, thank well, you so much. it's not the way I normally act. <laughs> yeah, no, you're pretty tough. You're pretty tough. Uh, that apple doesn't far fall from the tree either. But mom, thank you so much for coming on. And um, yep. if anybody has any uh, questions about it, I certainly can forward you to mom and, and she can um, give you some more information. But um, we really felt Be like delighted this to help. Yeah, something important that we share um, for everybody mm -hmm. on the on the Horse Radio Network and, and the Dressage Radio Show. We felt like this was an important story. So, Mom, thanks for coming on, and uh, we're for looking doing for it. a much uh, uh, smoother ride to Florida this winter for sure. Yes, I, I hope so too, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hun, thanks. This tip brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. 
Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this evening, Catherine Chamberlain is back for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. Catherine, welcome back for this segment. Thank you so much. Well, you did a great article in Dressage today, November 2015. Can you you tell us a little bit about that article slash tip you gave us? Yeah, thank you. I was so honored to have an article in Dressage today. I've been reading the magazine ever since I was little, so it was a dream come true to be on the cover and have an article in it. It was just amazing. So I was so grateful for that opportunity. The tip that I had in the article was about leg yield for relaxed transitions. It's all about getting the horse to move through its top line, really underneath itself, getting it to engage itself into upright transitions and into downward transitions as well. So basically, you can use a leg yield in the walk to go up to the trot, a leg yield in the trot to go and shoulder forward to the canter, and so on and so forth. And it's really just getting the horse to take a little bit more weight behind, really freeing up his body to make a prompt and relaxed transition. So, Catherine, can, can you Sorry. explain how you would do the uh, how you would do the exercise? Uh, you know, are you are you along the long side in the walk, and then um, what are you thinking about, and how are you executing this correctly? Yeah. So, if I were to do a leg yield and a walk to a trot transition, I would turn down the center line, start to make a leg yield. And the good thing about this exercise is you can really use it for any level horse. You know, if you have a four-year-old that you're just starting to work on finer transitions with, you can use it for that. Or if you have a Grand Prix horse that you really want to try to use this exercise for a little more activity and a little more engagement, you can do that as well. So you can make a leg yield as steep as you need to or as shallow as you need to, depending on your horse. So as you go to make the leg yield, you really want to focus that the horse is straight, that it's really moving correctly from the inside leg to the outside rein. And then you really want to think about that inside hind leg really marching underneath you. So you really every step you feel like the horse is really engaging itself. And then when you feel that sweet spot where it's really supple and the bridle really moving off the leg well, then that's when you want to ask for the transition. And then instead of moving sideways in transition, you're going to use that energy that you've created to then move forward into the transition and then go straight afterwards. So you go down the center line, do your leg yield, get the engagement that you want, make sure the horse is supple, and then do the upward transition and move straight on. Awesome. Awesome. So tell, tell us a, a few of the pitfalls that, that might come into play while you're trying to do this, some, some problems that you can think ahead and, and try and prevent. Yeah, so a couple problem areas that you might have you're either going to have the shoulders lead too much or the horse just to fall on their forehand and kind of run ahead of you. So that's where you really need to make sure that you're half-halting well enough with your outside rein that the horse doesn't start to just fall to the outside and start to run on the forehand because that's obviously the opposite purpose of the exercise. It's all about getting the horse to carry more behind and really take that weight and engage itself. And then you can also have a horse that maybe is a little bit lazy too and then starts to push too much with the paunches to the ins or to the outside. So if you have that happen, then you need to make sure that you're using a little bit stronger outside leg to keep the horse straight enough in its body because you really want to be looking, you know, straight ahead. If you can use mirrors, that's great too because then you can really see the line of the horse's body. Or if you don't have mirrors, you want to use a friend or a trainer that will kind of stand in front of you and make sure that your horse is very perpendicular and very, um, you know, straight in the body with just a slight bend in the rib cage. but you don't want either the shoulders or the haunches to be bleeding too much. 
And then, um, you know, make sure that as you go into the transition that the horse stays really nice and supple on the top line. And if you need to as well, sometimes if I go to do a transition and the horse comes a little bit against me, then I'll just add a 10 or 15 meter circle right after the transition to kind of help smooth everything, you know, together and make sure that the horse stays really nice in the contact as well. Now, I can see this this exercise lending it w- itself well to doing, you know, sort of the next level into doing transitions while you're in shoulder in or maybe half pass. Can you talk to us a little bit about how, how you would how you would do that and bring the horse along? Yeah, so it works really well. You know, the ultimate goal that I think of for um, transitions is when in the Grand Prix you have to do the massage to canner. So that's kind of the top tier of where this exercise would blend itself into making sure that you have the engagement and the half fall into the transition. But yeah, even for, you know, the lower levels, you can start using it for the simple changes in second level where you have to do a lot of canter walk transitions and you can use this exercise for that. And then going into third level, even when you have to do, um, you know, start to do the flying changes and the transitions um, with that, you can use it, you know, a little half pass and then move it to leg yield and half pass and leg yield and start to, increase the difficulty of the exercise as it moves up the levels and that's why it's such a great tool to have in your tool belt because you can really change it up you know for each horse and each level um so i think it's just really you know helpful to have it's all about you know suppleness and it's all about the rideability of the horse and i think that's the most important thing is in dressage is having rideability because if you really break down each movement it's not that hard but if your horse isn't rideable enough to navigate the movements and that's when we run into problems so if you really focus on having the horse supple having it be soft the aids and really attentive then i think you know the movements come not by themselves but really much easier when you have a soft rideable horse yeah for sure that makes a lot of sense maybe you could uh break down a simple change and how you're going to use a little shoulder in or a little leg yield how to make your simple change really good. If you could just give us some detail about that, that would be awesome. Yeah, so um, if you're so you're starting in the canner and you want to go to a walk and you have a horse that tends to kind of follow a little bit on the forehand and maybe dig into the walk instead of really sitting nicely behind and taking the weight, I would start in the canner, maybe go up um, the center line of the quarter line and think of a little shoulder forward where you're really pushing that horse from the inside leg to the outside rein, keeping it balanced, and then really thinking about that jumping inside hind leg because that's where they're going to really have to sit and take the weight behind to make the transition. And then from that shoulder four, sometimes I'll throw in a couple 10 or 15-meter circles to really make sure that I can get the half halts in and that the horse is really listening to the aid and then probably coming off one of those circles still in that shoulder four position then I would see if I could ask the horse to take a little bit more weight behind for two or three strides so you have a clear preparation for the simple change. And then when I feel like it's really starting to lighten up a little bit in the hand and really truly take that weight behind, then that's the moment that I ask for the transition. And especially if you're first teaching a horse how to do a simple change, I kind of want to keep my aids on a little bit longer even when they first get into the walk because it's easy for horses when they are first learning and don't quite have the strength to still often make the transition to fall on the forehand, even in a walk. So I make sure that I still keep that half balls on just a little bit longer to where they truly make that transition and then still carry that weight even in the walk a little bit. And then I can relax the aid. 
And then if you're going to go do the upward transition, a little bit the same thing. You really want to think of that shoulder four, and it's going to be that same aid. You know, I know you use the outside leg to aid for the canter, but I think a lot of riders should really think about using their inside leg as well to kind of scoop the horse into the canter and really have that first ride jumping and quick and active. So you're going to still think of that shoulder four where you have that nice pressure from your inside calf pushing into the outside rein with the inside rein keeping the horse supple, and then you just gently slide that outside leg back. If the horse comes against you, you can use another circle again to keep it soft, and then just play back and forth between those exercises. And um, I think the horses really gain a lot of strength through that repetition. Yeah, awesome. I, I think these are awesome tips. We thank you very much for joining us tonight, Catherine. How can people find you online if they have more questions or they want to get in touch with you? I have a website. It's com, And then I'm also on Facebook under Catherine Rose Chamberlain. And I also have an Instagram under cat underscore rose underscore dressage. Great. Thank you very much again and have a great evening. Thank you so much. Well, coming up next week, we have our annual, this is seventh annual now, all hosts (laughs) episode where all the hosts get together, eight of us this time recording. It was a lot of fun. So you can look forward to that next week. Uh, Let's just say nudity came up a couple times for some reason. I don't know why. Nudity, yeah. Yeah. This is only only our third. This is our only third annual. And yeah, this was the the nude one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Reese was all over it. That's all we're going to say. Throw me in the bus. It was a lot of fun. And I want to thank you guys. And then, uh, you know, so that's next week. And then the following week, we'll have a uh, best of episode for you. But uh, And then we'll be back again to the beginning of the new year. Will you be in Florida by then? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're heading. Uh, we leave for Florida uh, the third of January. I'm okay. hoping that a lot of the people, everybody, will be back to work and the roads will be quiet. Um, but yeah, we're heading down um, to kind of get the Florida season started, and I'm really, really looking forward to um, can I telling everybody what it's like down there and kind of what we're doing on a daily basis. I'm really looking forward to that. And because we got we got uh, Olympic team selections going to be happening. Uh, we do. Uh, It'll for be America a- and and. Um, a ton of people will be there qualifying, you know, sort of trying to qualify, get scores. And yep. I think it's going to be the biggest year. Yeah, every year is the biggest year yet in yeah. Florida. But it's seven CDIs, I think, and, and a like ton that, of prizes. Yeah. It's crazy. So I can't great. wait. I can't wait either. And I can't wait to show you guys. And uh, anybody have a resolution for 2016? Uh, I never oh. keep them anyway, so I don't do them. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty perfect. Yeah. <laughs> There yes, you go. Well, that just ask that. my wife. Well, okay. Yeah, just ask Meredith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking to, forward to a very happy, healthy uh, 2016 and looking forward to another great year on the show. And we've got lots of fun stuff planned starting at the beginning of the year. So we look forward to that. And um, Well, but I, I, I also has- want to thank you guys for another terrific year. On behalf of the Horse Radio Network, uh, your numbers were up 25%. So... Uh, you just continue to grow the show, and and you just keep um, having uh, getting more and more friends. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Oh, thanks, Glenn. I really am. You have done a great job with it, and you know we have people listening to the dressage show that aren't even dressage riders, and who would have ever thought that? So, uh, so it's yeah. terrific, you know. Awesome. 
Awesome. We yeah. love it. Well, we're super, it's it's so fun to be a part of a group that's like you guys. It's great. And uh, we're so thankful for our listeners and really, really, uh, we truly do this for you guys. And it is fun. And plus I get to hang out with you all every week. How cool is that? <laughs> and, and I did want to, t- I didn't even tell you guys this, that you actually set a quarterly, the third quarter was a record. Uh, really? Yep. Yeah. So oh. uh, you guys set oh. a record in the third quarter as well. So you're just, just all around doing really well. High five, we got, Phil. We got to just, you know, tell tell the listeners to keep in touch and keep us. Now, next you know, year, though, we're, um, we're going to have a dressage hour on the Radiothon. Yes, we're going to figure we that out right. and make sure that you're both there for that. that. Yes, that will, that will not be such a... I think a lot of your moment. listeners were disappointed you weren't oh, there. Oh, we're sorry. We really wanted to do it. It just, yeah. Yeah, as we all know, sometimes it just... Philip wasn't willing to call us from the beaches of Vietnam. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he did call in from Tokyo. You talk from Tokyo. That's pretty good. That's dedication right there. That's dedication right there. And I can guarantee my class would have been thrilled for me to cut cancel. Yeah. <laughs> well, next year, I, see, next year, are you tenured? Next year, you don't have to show up at all. No, I, I'm not tenured oh, okay. yet. I think, I think that takes a little more. Uh, <laughs> In one year. A lot, more, a lot more than one class, for sure. But uh, but next year, for sure, we will make that happen. Um, but yeah, you guys have an awesome, awesome holiday season, for sure. And uh, keep the listener and, uh, you know, we love uh, Facebook and the emails. The, the Facebook's working, working really good lately, so. Keep it up. We love it. So everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. And may the force be with you. Oh, I had to throw that in. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Got my tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Don't forget to check out all the other shows that Glenn's on at the Horse Radio Network at (laughs) horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and have a great holiday. Enjoy the force. And we'll talk to you guys in 2016. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 